You're listening to The Mixtape Project. I'm Pete. And I'm Yaka. And together we write and produce songs over at PXY Music. The Mixtape Project is where we share the music that shapes us, giving you a dose of that music-human connection we're all searching for. This week, we're going back to the concept that launched this podcast, to be honest. Not that you'll ever find out, because eh, we weren't on our game at the beginning, were we, Yaka? We didn't really know what we were doing. We had no idea. It began as a telephone conversation between two friends and listening to music we were into and just seeing where it took us. And that is the format of today's podcast. We call this the Infinity Mixtape. And it began eight songs ago, I think, roughly eight songs ago, with just us riffing and vibing off whatever the last song the other person played. Sometimes we're allowed two songs. We're not, we're not too religious about it. And so this mixtape, in theory, could never end. We could always be inspired by another song. The connections are loose, not like those slick productions we produce on our other podcast episodes. This one's looser, uh, but we often come up with some really interesting music. I mean, I loved the last two episodes we did. The podcast was not very good, but you can check them out at our website. They will be uh, written up in blog form. You can see the music that we covered in the previous two, even if you can't hear our comments on them. Any thoughts, Jacka? <laughs> Thanks, Pete. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. I loved the original conversations we had. And as Pete said, it spawned uh, the idea of doing these podcasts. So they have a special place in my heart. But as Pete said, they're not quite up to the caliber that we'd like them to be right now, even though the songs are great. So we're going to do a blog post about that at pxymusic.com. But yeah, I'm glad. I'm happy with what it spawned, but I'm happy we're returning to this infinite mixtape. For continuity's sake, I'll let you know what the last song we played in this Infinity mixtape was. We landed fairly obscurely on Yellow Magic Orchestra, a song from the album Solid State Survivor, released in 1979. And the song was Technopolis, Tokyo, as Yaka remembers it for. Um, you like that song, Yaka? It was, it was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, I've been listening to that loads since you played that. I've bugged everyone at work with it. <laughs> I've been checking out all the live performances on YouTube. There's some cool guys. That's got some cool pastel suits looking real smooth. I've got some uh, friends at work who are really into Yes and Rick Wakeman and stuff like that. So I was like, hey, you should check this out. And uh, some of them loved it. <laughs> some of them didn't. Great song. Polarizing. but um, So the song I want to play you... I'm, again, I'm cheating a bit because I'm doing another song. But uh, the song I wanted to play you is related to Yellow Magic Orchestra because it's a cover of one of the songs off that same album, Solid State Survivor, called Behind the Mask. So the song we're going to kick this episode of the Infinity Mixtape off with is Behind the Mask by Greg Gaines from the album Pulse, which was released in 1984. Yeah, what do you think of the... Album art, Yaka. Yeah, that's some great artwork. I love his facial expression. It's like he's fully been caught doing something really bad um, by his parents. He's looking incredibly guilty. <laughs> he's um, also holding that key tar. Very suggestively. Very sugge- <laughs> <laughs> but he's also like, he's like looking at you like, yeah, what are you going to yeah, do about you it? Can't be, you can't be, 
You caught me rubbing on this guitar. <laughs> That's a beautiful guitar. We're about to say at the same point every single time. Yeah, that is a fully beautiful guitar. That is that is a smashing red. I absolutely love it. It's also a great suit. It's like the shiniest silver suit, mm-hmm. oversized. You know from previous podcasts, I'm yeah. a fan of the Miami Vice look, and that is... It almost looks amazing. like velvet, but it's not velvet. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man. It is a nice suit. Yeah, super fun track. Greg Fillingain's interesting musical journey. He was discovered by Stevie Wonder after receiving a cassette of Fillingain's playing Stevie Wonder songs on his keyboard just as instrumentals. That's how he got his first break into music, the music industry. He worked a lot with Michael Jackson and was his musical director for a while. And the interesting connection of this song and Michael Jackson is that Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson's producer um, for a few of his albums, especially, of course, the album Thriller. Quincy Jones had heard the Yellow Magic Orchestra version of the song and brought it to Michael Jackson, who then wanted to turn it into more of a pop song, added extra melody line and some extra lyrics. Turned it into more of a love song, I think, is the, the idea Michael Jackson records a version in 1982, but relationship between the management of Yellow Magic Orchestra and Michael Jackson's camp breaks down. And so the song was never released. Although it was, it ended up being reworked and re-released, I think in, wow, when did he die? Like 2000, I guess it, from what the internet says, it was re-released in 2011. So you can find it on the internet. Uh, It's a very, in my opinion, overly produced track. So it's interesting that Greg Fillingaines, who was doing a lot of work with Michael Jackson, ends up doing his own version of this song, and it's kind of a little bit of a hit for him. So interesting journey. And if you want to keep the journey going, Greg Fillingaines ends up playing with Eric Clapton, playing in his backing band, and he introduces Eric Clapton to this to the song and Clapton does his own version as well yeah. which is kind of interesting to listen to too so there's a few connections but I love the track it's it's uplifting I really love the original by Yellow Magic Orchestra as well but this one's also this one's fun too get a bit more pop yep absolutely love that really enjoyed listening to that uh, I just love the the keys in that the other key riffs that just continuously work the way through um, very very cool I can imagine him playing that on his on his little keytar <laughs> I really love the like high pitched vocals that I think they were going through like a vocoder as well. It's kind of yeah. like those high vocal harmonies going throughout, which was really really nice. But yeah, the vocoder just vocal sounded so good on that. Really, that was very Yellow Magic Orchestra. That was a clear kind of signal back to the yeah the, the original. original. And uh, yeah, like you said, just a really good feel good track. But I really loved the outro. There's like that 10-second mm. little really funky, tight beat outro at the end. It's really, really cool. Yep. Yeah, very polished. Like, it sounds like a hit. You know, did it, did, it pref- did it do well at all? You know? I think it did well on the dance music charts. Mm. Sounds great. But yeah, the vocoder was a, a like, standout for me. And actually, that's, I was kind of a minute and a half in and just enjoying it. I was like, what song am I going to go to next? Because that's what we have to do now, ladies and gentlemen on the uh, Infinity mixtape, is we need to come up with a track on the fly. So, yeah, I was thinking the vocoder really inspired me. So, my first pick uh, after Pete's track there, I went to Daft Punk 
and the track Give Life Back to Music from the album Random Access Memories, released in 2013. So as I mentioned, the vocoder in the last track really inspired me to, you know, go to Daft Punk and they've just split up this week. So it was kind of on my mind. This is my Mm. favourite Daft Punk album and I particularly love the drums in this track and the drums throughout the whole album because there's that kind of... You can hear the the studio recording of the drums. You know, it's not all chopped up and kind of sampled beats and stuff like that. And I think that's a really lovely quality to the whole album. And uh, now Rogers as well is playing guitar on that. It's just got a real studio band kind of feel to the whole album, but it's got mixed in like all the electronic work and all the, you know, the great the great stuff that, you know, Daft Punk are, are famous for. So, yeah, it's a really, when this came out, this was a really exciting album for me. And that song, which is the opening track to the album, it's just, yeah, I've, wa- I've walked around, you know, with my headphones on in, in the summer, listening to that a lot. Um, so, yeah, that, that's where I went with that. It's a great album. Yeah, I can see, it's a great, I can see the connection. That's a really cool, because there's a lot, of like yellow magic orchestra in yeah. Daft Punk as well, I would say. But you, um, so that's a good connection as well. Yeah, it's so clean. It's, that production, so it's it's perfect production. And there's um, it just it, there's not actually that much going on in the song. It's actually just kind of looped no, over and over again. Really <laughs> but it really, really works. And there's just enough, you know, yeah. a few little bits they put in, like they've got some uh, kids kind of yaying in the background and stuff. Yeah, there's really not much to it, but those double track guitars throughout the whole verse the they're so tight and just really carry you through the whole thing so very good production yeah that's it very like it, it carries it through that's how when it's that tight it's um it's kind of amazing to watch it's funny because it's not my like vibe i i'm not yaka knows i'm not the biggest fan of clean but um when when you're doing it well you gotta you gotta you gotta appreciate and it, it, they're good because sometimes clean sounds so soulless but this just has a groove yeah. so it keeps going and you know and Daft Punk have always made these fun summer hits like I feel like I always associate with their albums with the summer I assume yeah, they released them in the this summer this was released in the summer I think <laughs> I mean well actually Get get Lucky is the track off this album that which everyone will have heard and was the, their big standout hit from the album possibly one of the standout hits of the their career so the connection i want to make is going to relate to an idea i have which is did you ever have that moment with daft punk where you enjoyed a lot of their tracks because they're worthy of that they're very good and then you discovered how much of it was sampled <laughs> Funnily enough i was actually in bed with my wife <laughs> um let me say that again Funnily enough <laughs> keep it clean f- keep f- it clean yakka Keep it clean like Daft Punk. Oh, ho, ho. I like that. Uh, yeah, I was at, I was actually the other night with my wife. I was like, check out this video. And it, it just kind of showed every sample from Daft Punk. And there's some really obvious ones. Uh, as soon as you hear the, the original, you're like, oh, that's that's that. But then there's some really clever ones as well, uh, where they just take like a couple little vocal bits. The, the, how they sampled one more time was really impressive. But uh, yeah, it's not to take away... It's just sometimes I'm like, dang, these originals yeah. are so good. You haven't had to do much to um, make them relevant yeah. now, you know. And yeah, it's still a skill, man. I'm, I'm 
respect it. It's still a skill to bring something from the past to life. It's obviously what hip hop's all about. Yeah. They're kind of um, renowned though for not giving uh, their due to the original artist, are they? Ah, the credits. I feel like Daft Punk sampled George Duke, jazz musician. And I feel like he was one of those people who didn't get a lot of the credit or the like the big me ups that he deserved because he's an amazing musician. Um, and they famously sampled I Love You More by George Duke for their song Digital Love by Daft Punk. Put that in the B side. Um, but the song I actually want to play is another George Duke song. Very funky. Could have been sampled by Daft Punk if it wasn't so obvious, maybe. Uh, it's called Reach Out from the album Guardian of the Light, released in 1983. But Yaka, I want to play a live version. Oh, nice. I, I came onto this track. I knew George Duke, but my brother showed me this live version. I'm very glad he did. Thank you, Ben. Oh, he's got such great taste. And oh, it's just so much fun, isn't it? It's just so much, so fun. much fun. I just love, I love A, that the keyboard machine he's trying to use <laughs> breaks. <laughs> but he keeps on going and all the like the introduction where he's pointing at it and kind of he doesn't even dare play it he just does one note and walks off he's like look at this thing it's so fun man it just looks like an amazing gig one i definitely want to be at i also didn't realize this was not pre-planned but clearly i have keytar <laughs> envy because everyone i've chosen so far is busting out these keytars uh, you seem that to be enjoying so that Yako. i absolutely love that so he's such a good showman. You could just see it. Well, he was just loving what he was doing and it was so infectious. You know what I mean? Man. Mm -hmm. So good. I I I I'm pretty I'm kinda lost for words. I just enjoyed that so much. Yeah, when you see the live video, you'll see he has this kind of giant like stick coming out of his keys. And I guess it's kind of just like a pitch <laughs> bender, but because it's on such a long stick, you can kind of get that wobbly kind of, you know, sound um when you're bending. Just so. <laughs> oh no, I'm peeking. I'm peeking. <laughs> that also doesn't help. Phrasing. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just brilliant. Such feel good music. He was just so infectious to watch. Absolutely loved it. The band are loving it. Pete, you were. You 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 would you belong in this era. You belong in that band, man. Oh man. Oh man. I can oh, see man. you on those keys. Tasty. Oh, he's a, oh yeah. He's he went. He went all out at the end as well. Just like riffing, man. So good. Oh, so good. I mean, the the recorded version is worth checking out too because his solo is ridiculous in it. Had a bit more time. Had an instrument that was working, but um, the live is the live is fun. Yeah. What's next, Jackie? Staying with the theme, you got to match a live performance with that energy with another live performance of that energy. So this is a live performance from Zap, Roger Troutman. So we're going to start this off at 3 minutes 55. It's a long, long video. It's about a 35-minute video, I think. But this is worth watching from beginning to end, ladies and gentlemen. But we're going in at 3.55, and uh, Pete, I'll, I'll tell you when we're done. Yeah, really cool live performance from Zap. There's not many of them, good quality ones around online for you to check out, but this one is so cool. And they have like a 35-minute show, go through some hits, um, So Rough, So Tough, Do Up Diddy, and Computer Love and all this type of stuff. Really cool. The band is really tight. 
really subtle in their playing as well, like really subtle guitar parts. But then uh, Roger just steals the show with all his top box work. Uh, it's so well as the as the host says at the beginning, we're gonna get hot, we're gonna get funky, and that's exactly what happens. So yeah, love it. Got to match that live performance energy with another fantastic frontman and um, great live player. Pete, I know, I know you love Roger Troutman anyway. So you've you've heard all this before, but uh, people might recognize him or recognize Roger Troutman more from um, California Love, I guess, with Dr. Dre and Tupac. Is that right, Dr. Dre and Tupac? Because they um they didn't actually just yep. they didn't actually sample uh, Roger Troutman. They actually got him to re-record some parts for it, didn't they? So I love all the bass parts of the Zap stuff. You don't get it so much on the the live because it's a pretty synthetic bass but um as soon as you hear that bass it's just it's the sound of cars jumping up and (laughs) down it's so it's so infectious and i didn't know he could play guitar so good i know it's great i mean his guitar is god awful ugly it's a machine gun guitar but uh Uh, but you he he can pull anything off i mean it's in a what is he in it's in like a sailor's outfit or something with the with a hard hat and he's got a machine gun guitar. I mean, and he's got white gloves on and he's great. <laughs> he's fantastic. Yeah, he's a great guitar player. And he actually kicks off that show knocking some serious harmonica out, uh, out of his back pocket as well, straight into his mouth and hits some hard licks. So yeah, talented guy. So yeah, kind of a, another theme here from what we've been talking about, you know, where we're talking about Daft Punk and the the sampling that they've done. Uh, there is a track called um, West Coast Pop Lock. I said that in the most, uh, the lamest way, West, West Coast Pop Lock. Uh, there's a track called West Coast Pop Lock, um, which was a single uh, from the artist Ronnie Hudson. Um, Roger Troutman kind of took that and turned it into California Love. Mm. But that West Coast Pop Lock track has has been in lots of um, various bits and bobs, but actually Zap uses uh, some of it in So Rough, So Tough, and they also do it as part of that California love thing where Roger Troutman ends up playing with Dre and Tupac. So yeah, that West Coast pop lock spawned a lot of a lot of hits, I guess, a lot of good songs. So yeah, just thinking about what we're talking about with sampling and Daft Punk, just wanted to throw that little nugget in there. It's very it's very hard to choose a song after this that doesn't involve sampling because <laughs> you know Zap has been sampled so much. Um, okay, yeah. so the the song the song I'm going to follow an amazing live rendition from Zap with is a track by the artist. It's technically Night Funk, which is a combination of the artist Night Jewel and the artist. Dame Funk. Dame Funk, clearly influenced by Zap. I went to a gig of his in London way back. And ostensibly, it was just going to be him playing through his album. And then at the end, he just gave like the whole audience a timeline history education on funk. Like he just got a bass. <laughs> like he hadn't been playing bass all through the show. But he just picked up a bass 
and just reeled off all of these amazing funk bass licks from like the history of funk music. And I was just so struck by this. This is someone who is so in love with funk. He's learned all the riffs and he's just, oh, it was so fun. That was such a great gig. Um, he played a bit of Zap. He played a bit of Funk Day. He played a bit of everything. And, you know, James Brown, all of that. And he played the bass like flawlessly. And he'd been playing, I think, some synthesizers for most of the gig and, and singing. So that really struck me. This is a bit of a different kind of track. It's a bit more laid back. But I think you can hear that West Coast funk sound that I believe Troutman helped usher in with his, you know, his sonic ideas. Getting sampled by Dre helped cement it as a kind of West Coast sound thing. Anyway, see what you think. The song is called Can You Read Me? It was released in 2016. This was a real nice track for me because I knew both artists separately and then to hear them come together was really cool. Um, Night Jewel is an artist worth checking out too. She's got this really amazing dreamy voice and some really cool production on many of her albums that plays into that uh, nostalgic dreaminess. What do you think of the track, Yaka? Wow, it was a beautiful song. Didn't really want that to end. It's uh, really, really nice. The the, um, the bass keys on there are just so so good a lot going on uh, in the bass but the song's so chill and so relaxed that man it takes real skill to to kind of not drop something in there that's just completely over the top you know what i mean i love the kind of yeah. like the the kind of attack on the the bass bits and then there's those kind yep. of slidey bits that just come in and just bring you back around the loop and then back into those like bass those like attack hits Really, really cool. Again, not much going, not much going on, um, but that that bass really carries you through the whole track. And vocally, that was a great vocal. Like, kind of reminds me of like some real kind of eighties vocal sound. She's got a real beautiful voice. Um, yeah, yeah, just really, really nice track. I I want to be driving in the night with this thing on. It's uh, <sighs> it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Because it's smooth, but the bass, like you were saying, is actually quite aggressive. And you can hear a lot of the clicking from the, which I like. It's like, it's a really good balance of clean and and, and kind of a bit more roughed up. Yeah, she's a great singer, Night Jewel. Uh, birth name, Ramona Gonzalez. Really cool singer. I've, I've, I've been following her music for a while now, so I really appreciate this. Mm. What, and what, this and did you, sorry, did you figure out when this was released? Or? This was released in 2016. I think like officially, it was one of those songs that I saw on SoundCloud back a while back. And it was, I think, a version that hadn't been finished yet. Um, Dame Funk is known to just release stuff when yeah. you're live in it. And uh, it was one of those eras, I think. Well, this is, this is getting weird because um, obviously we've had some some hits from the set, well, some tracks from the 70s and stuff. But that song I heard, I was like, it really reminded me of a track that I'm listening to at the moment. And it's actually from 2016 as well. So, hey, Hit not it. bad. It ain't bad. Okay, so my next pick is by uh, Billie Eilish, the song Ocean Eyes, um, from her, that was her debut single, I believe, actually, um, from an EP she made with her brother Phineas. The EP was called Don't Smile At Me. Oh, no, don't smile at me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I... Yeah, I've been listening to Billie Eilish quite a lot recently, and I think she's I think she's absolutely brilliant. 
actually, I think vocally, I love her vocals. She's got a really kind of she, a technique when she's recording vocals. Is she's obviously really, really up close to the the microphone, and she's got this like beautiful subtlety to her vocal, and it's produced so well by her brother. Uh, she was fifteen when she did this as well, so it's wow. yeah, it's it's a fantastic song. And I, I, what what inspired me to go to it was you know the vibe of the last track, Pete. But also mm-hmm. the kind of slidiness of that bass, you know, kind of when it kicks in, um, kind of reminded me of uh, the last track we listened to. But yeah, this uh, it's, a, it's a really simple song and it's really carried by Billy's vocals, which is kind of a common theme with a lot of her music. But yeah, I think this just has a lot of, a lot of integrity, this song. I think it holds up as a great song. What do you think? I'm really glad you played me some Billie Eilish because I feel like she was, <laughs> can't use the term pandemic, but I feel like she was this viral sensation mm. that I was totally oblivious to because I don't really listen to pop music. And I was teaching lots of piano <laughs> to kids and teenagers and I, I knew they were all listening to her. And I, I was like, they kept mentioning it. And I was like, <laughs> what on earth is this? I just know that she dyes her hair different colors at times. <laughs> But that was that was really cool. I'm glad. Yeah, so it was an education, but really cool vocals. It's not obviously. I'm I, I'm never going to be that production um, guy. Like it's very EDM production for me. Uh, very clean, electrically. You can boost those levels so high when you're using those kind of machines, which is not always my thing. But I really, yeah, the vocals carry. I can see what everyone's connecting to, or at least what all my students were connecting to in terms of like the raw emotion. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, it's like a new emo, isn't it? For because I feel old now. I remember when emo was like rock, and you know, <laughs> I feel I feel like I stuff. have absolutely no right listening to Billie Eilish. I, have to, <laughs> I feel old. You I feel old. <laughs> when you find out she's 15 years old, that's like that's 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 crazy. You know, her brother, her brother's crazy. super talented as well. You know, a, a, yeah, I yeah. did know about him, and because his, his production is is pretty on point. Um, yeah, it's on point. Um, that's really yeah, that's a really cool. It's just very ethereal. And you've taken this now in a, like, a really different direction, which is what this podcast, and I mean, it's what this mixtape format's all about. Um, yeah, really cool. Kind of haunting sound, mm. which I like. And I, I totally get what you mean about those airy vocals, the connection with the last song. Um, yeah, and a nice, kind of a nice, it's a nice theme. It's, it's simple but effective. In fact, the instrumentation is quite simple as well. It's been a theme of this. Mm. Of, of some of the songs we've selected where there's not like tons going on but what is going on is the right thing and that's that makes a great track as we all know so nice your song reminded me of another song good that's what the mixtape is is what it's all about we'd be stuffed if it it's, didn't <laughs> i know but sometimes we go down the research vibe and sometimes it's just like it's like an adjacent yeah. oh that reminds me of this sound I like those yeah. connections. And you know what? That's what I love about this mixtape, just to kind of reiterate that to everyone. Because it's not planned. This is kind of an insight, I guess, into, well, not just musicians, but anyone who loves music. You know, you hear something and everyone, you've got an opinion of, you know, what it reminds you of. It it might touch some type of nostalgic memory you have of a track with, you know, your parents that you used to listen with, um, or a movie that you saw, you you can find connections throughout anything. And I think that's a really cool thing about this infinite podcast or infinity podcast. That's the cool thing about this infinity podcast is um, we can just take it anywhere we like. 
And I think that's one of the best things about music. That's one of the things we, I'm sure you appreciate about it, music as well, Pete, is that yeah. you don't have to explain why it reminds you of something or, or why it links to something else. If you feel like it does, it does. And I think that's really cool. Absolutely. Following that theme, this is a song really reminded me of that. Like, it feels like Billie Eilish is the voice of a lot of teenage emotional angst or whatever it is right now. Is that fair to say? I think so. I, 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 I I'm mega it. out of touch, but I, yeah. I, it definitely feels that way. I think people really connect to it. And I can, I can, yeah. I can see why. I can absolutely see that. It reminded me of this movie, The Neon Demon, which was released in 2016. Another 2016, eh, Pete? Was that intentional? Was it because it was 2016? Was it a good year? Maybe it was. That's three 2016s on the bounce. I don't. Th- we don't often go into the 2000s either. So, hey, not bad. Enjoy it while. Enjoy it while. It we'll lasts. be back. We'll be back in the 70s before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> and all those self-titled albums. Um, the movie, for me, is really about a lot of the hopes and aspirations of of youth and. It's all set kind of in the modeling world of and the fashion world of LA. It's super gruesome. It really, there's one scene that really, I'm not someone who's emotionally affected by the screen very often. And I nearly threw up watching it. It was so disgusting, but amazing. I'm a big fan of, of, of Refn's movies and um, you should check it out. But the last scene is this super like kind of OTT song and it feels very youthful it feels very Billie Eilish from what I just heard so you know we can talk about it and see the song is Waving Goodbye it's from the Neon Demon original soundtrack I can't believe they still do those and it's by and it's by Sia so it's a if you know me it's a left field choice I'm surprised it's not (laughs) it's not my usual vibe and there's a lot like (laughs) Not to sound like a total douche, but there's a lot I dislike about the production. <laughs> there's a lot I dislike. I'm not a fan of the hyper-compressed, everything-in-your-face, murderous-to-your-ears song, which I think some people, fair enough, would say this is an example of. I might be one of those as well. But it's also really catchy and it's fun, man. I love it. <laughs> it also works so well with the movie, and I think that's what really struck me is... I watched the movie, I think reiterating some of the things we were saying about Billie Eilish, like definitely not up to date with youth culture. And this whole movie was about the like the Instagram world, the keeping up with the fashion and the image consciousness that I just, as an older person, I just look at the young people and think that must be horrible. Glad I only had like Nokia 3210s when I was growing up. All we had to worry about was what type of uh, polyphonic ringtone we could get on our new phone. Dude, when the polyphonic ringtones came Whoa, out, bro, was it was game-changing. Game so, I mean, that's what we had to deal with. So now this, like, hyper-visualized, mediated childhood, adolescence, no thank you. And this movie was all about that, and that was really cool. And at the end, you see some pretty gruesome stuff. I still love that movie. <laughs> you either love it or hate it, but I love it. And suddenly you, you, the movie ends and you're in the desert, and we see a figure who looks a bit like one of the characters we've seen. And this song just starts popping off and it's just like blistering. And I, I think it's such a great impact song. Uh, and so, yeah, not my usual, but 
I like it. Yeah, I really like where you went with that after the Billie Eilish track. So uh, again, me and uh, my wife, actually she introduced me to Billie Eilish and Sia. So right. Sia, um, she's got some really good songs. And there's a there's a track, uh, Elastic Heart, which I really like. And the music video with Shia LaBeouf. Is that how you say Shia LaBeouf? Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Um, the music video with Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. He's a buff guy. It's true. Uh, it's a great, great video. I think it... <laughs> <Just> butchering. <laughs> so... The music video she did with the guy from Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> the music video is brilliant and it really lends into um, the topics for her music, which is you know, kind of around mental health and and bits and bobs like that. I think she's actually recently come under fire for her most recent track about autism. Um, but that particular, the Elastic Heart track is is really good. And kind of the point I made about Billie Eilish I'm really liking what these guys are doing with their music videos and stuff. It feels like they're really involved with how they want to be presented, uh, which is which is great. I really like that. Yeah, you feel like you're flying high after that song, right? Flying high. Yes. Do you know what I mean about the compression? I just it bugs me, but it's a it's an old man. Point. No, I I, I do old. know what you mean, and I, there's a balance because I do like some of that stuff. Like I think actually the next track that I'm picking is is uh, an example of where I think this modern production techniques is used very well. So I'd be interested. Okay, so that'd be interesting to talk about because I find, I find these modern production techniques, I, I, they make the songs for me almost sound super nihilistic to me because it feels really thin. Mm. And like in t- for some reason, the more compressed and the louder, the more I'm like less impacted by the song and it feels like everything's just meh. I know what you mean. It's kind of like... So I find it really hard to relate because a lot of people are like, no, this is my song. It really relates. And I'm like, no. sounds like nothing. It sounds like plastic. It's kind of... I'm sure people won't get this analogy and I'm now thinking you're not going to get it either, Pete. But it kind of reminds me of like a sieve. It's like yeah, it, there's lots it. of gaps. It, it, it's, it's very loud and it's, in, it's, it's, it's really immediate. But there's actually feels like there's lots of holes you can see through. And that's not from Absolutely. a technique standpoint, just in a... In the way it sounds, but yeah, this is this is my next track is an example of where I think that's been done well. Okay, so the next track I'm going with off the the back of that is uh, by MGMT uh, from the album Little Dark Age, and the track is Me and Michael. So the album was released in 2018, two years after the tracks we've been listening to. But I think the last track you picked, Pete, it kind of felt like it had kind of almost, almost like a trance vibe to it. You know, with with some of the the chords and the kind of the aggressive kind of trance chords that come through the track, mm. and and there's something about it in its production and something about it in its sound that reminded me of yeah. this. And I felt like it was, uh, I think it felt like it's been done in a, in a really good way. So I'd be interested to hear what you think of it. So yeah, that track, uh, I really enjoy that one, and I think it has a kind of a cinema type feel to it. I can I get a lot of imagery when I kind of hear the track. I get a lot of imagery of uh, people driving, but I also get an unfortunate one, which is my wife's ex boyfriend was called Michael, and for some reason, every time I hear this song, I see my <laughs> wife singing this and thinking about her ex boyfriend. So not great connotations, but dang, we went deep, <laughs> but, we went deep on this one. But it hits me and. Um, 
every time. And you, you just played it. <laughs> uh, but I love the song so much. I love the song so much. Yeah, the, 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 imagine the image. My wife's singing it uh, to her ex-boyfriend and I'm in the corner crying somewhere. That's kind of the image that's in my head. Uh, no, yeah, so, but, That would be a great music video. <laughs> clearly, it's the only person I know called Michael. <laughs> I never met him. Um, so yeah, that's the imagery that it, it pulls together for me. So production-wise, the track, I don't think it tries to be anything that it is and it doesn't uh, try and kind of inflate and push everything right to the top of the mix it's just kind of subtle and kind of happy being kind of understated i guess in the verses particularly and then the choruses we kind of get towards that wall of sound uh with perhaps those gaps that you might not appreciate all too much pete but yeah for me i think it's it's done really well here that uh, the, the production technique but yeah i just love the song just love the song. Yeah, I can see that. I can, I can hear that. It's um, felt very eighties to me. If I was going to put a decade, uh, absolutely. Just those like chorusy guitars and like I liked how they were both in each ear. I'm listening on headphones, and um, it was a really cool production. It was very understated, but like you were saying, it still reaches. It still has that aesthetic of top ten. Yeah. I, it does a good job of keeping that aesthetic, even though it's a very different song. Um, and it, yeah, it's. I feel like that's something that actually people are trying to recover. They try. I, th- I think that it's kind of a uh, a te- technique's the wrong word. It's kind of something that artists are striving for right now. I think it's the we had this thing where people artists were trying to be uh, as nostalgic as possible, trying to play on anything that you would find nostalgic and even songs that came out you know a month ago (laughs) you'd suddenly get a bunch of songs that sound exactly the same and you kind of get that you kind of get that throughout the history of music but now because production all sounds so similar you can kind of hear a track and think man that sounds just like this track you know this track but I think now people are kind of grasping for to hit that kind of nostalgia beat but have something that's kind of left field but I think they're trying to solutionize that with production and with kind of, I, I, do you know what I'm trying to say? Does that, does that make sense? Oh yeah, I totally, I mean, I think what you're saying is people are trying to use, to use the tools of the studio to generate some kind of identifiable, identifiable difference in the sound mm. because, well, there's just a lot of samey sounding music out there. Um, and in some ways, some of the tracks we just played, are, you know, could be guilty of that if they weren't so brilliant right like if they weren't just really good writing and really good production yeah i agree Um, with that i agree with that uh, like it's okay to to say that i think it doesn't detract from the the songs themselves um but this one yeah it definitely had that It, it had a very different feel Whereas the track I just played is like, it's all in the red. <laughs> it's like all in the red. Yeah. You've got the trap drums. It's all just, whereas this is much more in the groove. And I think that enables it to be a bit more relaxed. And yet you can still hear everything. It still sounds like a well-produced mm. top 10 hit. I think that's, was, it, was it a hit? I'm not sure if it was a hit. Let me just check that. It's the fourth single from Little Dark Edge. Uh, so they did actually release this as a single... It peaked, it peaked at number 29 in the US. That's not too bad. Not too bad at all. Because it's not like the craziest catchy song. And sometimes like, I think around that time I was like, man, it feels like everything in the charts is 
for the dance floor fairly aggressively. Yeah. Hence the like the electronic y sound of the previous two tracks, you know, and it's just felt like Yeah. To ca- need something different. To kind of um bring it back around, I'm thinking back to Daft Punk and the Give Life Back to Music, you know, one of the one of the earlier tracks that we played. And I think just talking about the production and talking about riding the subtleties a little bit and then kind of coming in with that big chorus. I think that's kind of another example of um, just it kind of done well. You know, it has that has lots of dynamics to it, but it's really, really polished and it's really modern and it's it's really well produced. Yeah. But it's about the dynamics, isn't it? You need to take us on a journey. You need to take us up. You need to take us down. So. <laughs> that was quite the journey, Yaka. I really appreciated your connections and tracks this is a really like interesting mix of songs it is a really interesting mix of songs i think i i don't know if it's just me and you because we've just been on this little journey together but i i can see the connections throughout them all you know i think they how we've got here it, it kind of makes sense to me but hey you guys listening i'd be really interested if it if it makes as much sense to you but regardless you know i hope you've just found some good music from this and it's exciting for us to uh, to connect and connect the music in this way, and I'm I'm excited to see where we go next time we do one of these because, yeah, we're going to be kicking off with an interesting track. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mixtape Project. Check out the show notes for each episode at pxymusic.com, where you can also find the music that made it into this mixtape. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word. Subscribe, tell a friend. We'll see you next time.